minus three with Dave Damashek. Ooh, we got a good one in store for you. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus 3 Sports Fans, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win. And of course, uh, follow along FanDuel.com slash Minus 3. That's the word minus the number three. And uh, again, follow along at Minus 3 Pod. We appreciate you doing that. Download, subscribe. And like I say, we got a good one for you because... If you're an OG to minus three, then, of course, you know this guy. And, of course, if you're on social media and if you follow pro football or if you're a Pac-12 fan, all these things will have alerted you to the existence of one of the greats in media. He, was a, he played pro football. I almost called him one of the greats of pro football. I don't. I think that would be maybe a little bit too strong. But he's listen. In his in his new career, he is one of the greats. He's the great Jeff Schwartz, everybody. What's the poop, fella? It's a reunion show. It is. My check cleared from Sal, so I was allowed to come on the show. So I'm glad that, that you guys sent me all that money to come on and, and get the reunion going. I'm glad to be here, man. Okay, let's start with this. I know we're talking a lot about football, but your take about rooting for college colleges based on conference is so wrong, Dave. It is it's just you're allowed to root for your conference. I look do not see coming the issue. In. Look who's coming in. I do not right see the issue. The I, I covered this on my radio show last night. It was great content. Thank you very much. Um, there, it's a nuanced discussion, but generally speaking, if I'm a Pac-12 guy, I'm allowed to root for Oregon State, UCLA, and USC to go to the Final Four. What is? Should I root for the us to all suck? What 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 good does that do? Do you root for all the Big Ten teams to lose? Listen, there are things that that trump um, what's good, what's what's intellectually. Um, long-term beneficial to the program. Listen, you're a sports fan. You're supposed to delude yourself a little bit for two or three hours and let real life concerns go by. You want to see pain inflicted on those with whom you knock heads. Oregon is not some uh, juggernaut that steamrolls everybody in the Pac-12 year in and year out, no matter what the sport is. Don't back you want to, to see back, U.S. Back, back to back men's basketball Conference winners, back to back men's football. Only well, it was only men's football uh, conference champions. I don't we need won, a resume of what Oregon's achieved. That, 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 that you said you said we haven't dominated. So I'm just curious. I'm just curious what that had meant. I mean, so fl- I mean, okay. USC has done good things. UCLA <laughs> has done good things, and so on. And listen, by the way, we're keeping it focused on the Northeast here, Schwartz. But we are going to talk a little bit of basketball here right out of the gate because I do think, legitimately, I think maybe this has to do with. I, 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 I'm going to get uh, heat for saying this, perhaps, from West Coasters. But I now th- what you're saying makes me think, because I've always pushed back at people from the Northeast when they say, oh, L.A., their people are out surfing. They're, they're, they're too interested in the fun and sun to really be passionate sports fans. Um, I, I disagree with that, um, generally speaking. But you are pretty breezy about this. And by the way, we had on extra points with Cousin Sal. We had Brian Scalabrini on, um, USC alum, now yes. Boston Celtics voice, and he was great on all Celtics-related matters and the Eastern Conference there. But uh, specifically, he was with you as well. What's wrong with you weirdos? I, I get that it – first of all, first of all, UCLA winning games is good for UCLA. It is not. It, it doesn't help USC's recruiting for UCLA to win games. I mean, that, that, that's no, the, so, uh, so that so that the the crux of the argument against rooting for your own conference is the recruiting. Correct. I mean, that's why. And so, like for example, 
I don't root for USC football. They're not Oregon's rival because I don't want them to be good because then we're not going to recruit as well in Los Angeles. So it's not just – I don't root for every Pac-12 team no matter what. I hate Washington. I would never root for Washington in any sport. But Oregon State being good in basketball for one season has zero impact on Oregon. They're not going to steal a recruit from us because they had a one deep run into the Elite Eight. All I can tell you is (laughs) as a a born and bred Pittsburgher who rooted – who lived and died with the Pitt Panthers, the idea – that I would that I would draw any pleasure from seeing Penn State do well on the national stage or seeing West Virginia do well is just, you know, well, your rivals. Of course not. It's 180 well, degrees from any Oregon feeling. Oregon State is not. I keep telling you this. Oregon State is not has not been a legitimate rival as far as athletically or recruiting in 15 years. Yeah. Here's the thing the uh, what this is the other hypothesis i have that's a little more high minded okay i think you as an oregon fan are feeling it a little bit over the last 15 years with the ride from joey harrington and the yeah. uniform switch on things have have turned up for the ducks it yes, feels like i love it as as, a, yes. as an athletic uh experience Program, yes. you know yeah, with nike and everything else but, but uh, it, the wind in your sails I think that you guys, same as Penn State, they went to the pack. Uh, they went to the Big Ten. Feels like that was about six years ago, but I'm guessing it's more like 25 or 30. Maybe. <laughs> For real, I mean, how long did life, that have been? I'm 34 I, years old. That might have literally my been, entire life. So I don't know. I was going to say that might literally have been 25 years. Because Oregon, Penn State played. In a, Oregon, Penn State played in the '95 Rose Bowl. It was our first Rose Bowl ever. So, so, so really, it was a quarter century, and it feels like, <laughs> hey, remember a couple of years ago when that happened? By the way, I want to talk about the seventeen week, uh, the seventeen game schedule we will. And, and, and the nonsense of that. But um, in the NFL, uh, boy, that's that's uh, grim stuff. Anyhow, what I think happened is somewhere around that time, and then Joe Paterno. It goes way back before you and Eddie Spaghetti. Hello, Eddie Spaghetti. How are you? By the way, I know you're. you're there aren't here. many. You can't leave any points on the board from here forward, Spaghetti. Just to issue that to to the blue shirts there for the Rangers. They must yep. start. You you guys got to kind of sweep the table. Not sweep the table, but you can't uh, be coming away with zero points much more if you want to squeak into the playoffs here. However, the Flyers stink. The Bruins are fading. You got a shot here, Spaghetti. Look, I'm not focused on hockey. Uh, right now I'm focused on my good friend Jeff Schwartz being back oh, on the show nice. and, and here that's to talk nice. about some football and March Would you like to say hello to him? What, what have you missed most about Jeff Schwartz? Uh, the football arguments. I mean, okay, we, you know, it's not even just Jeff. We're the the calendar. March Madness is here. Obviously, you know, hockey's ramping up. Baseball, spring training. It's not as much football, but now we're, you know, inching closer to draft season. A lot of big trades, like you said, seventeen game schedule. I'm excited to hear you guys go at it. I, okay. I, he hasn't had me give a take on his Giants. He's just been watching Carl Banks retweet me all the time. So that's why. I mean, I, I need I need to be able to I need to give him my giant takes. He's been missing I, out. I on love that. And D- Danny Shelton yesterday, <laughs> he fills the hall of Dalvin Tomlinson. The Gi- what a roster the Giants have. What a roster, yeah. man. Congratulations on Danny Shelton. Next up, <laughs> LA early February. Um spaghetti. Yeah, well, all right. We'll we'll, we'll get into in you're probably better 
it's the idea of Jeff Schwartz that you like better than the actual weekly interactions with him because those equal him denouncing your giants and your no. and, and your aforementioned delusion about what they're capable he, of doing. No. Jeff knows as much or more than anyone around in, in terms of public guys play the game. I, a, a take is a take. I respect people who give take and back it up. Jeff does both, so I have no problem. Guess what? The Steelers just took Kalen Balazs. Next stop. L.A. early February. See you there, spaghetti. If the Steelers play in the Super Bowl this year, and it obviously is in Los Angeles, Dave will be insufferable. Well, no, who will be insufferable is oh, Angelino, Angelino himself, Juju Smith-Schuster. Wouldn't that be the nice story for all the yeah. curmudgeons on the banks of the Three Rivers denouncing Juju Smith-Schuster for having the temerity to show joy before or after a game, as though <laughs> as though his forefathers in the sport of pro football never showed joy before. This, you know, this I, is a newfangled thing. No, what's newfangled, you old curmudgeons, is cell phones. That's what's new. That that delivers it. Uh, uh, that has an immediacy to it that guys in 1978 didn't. But Terry Bradshaw, nevertheless, just as a reminder, was in the midst of the Steelers dynastic run. This, this isn't after he retired or anything. This is right in the middle of Terry Bradshaw's prime. The guy winning Super Bowls, the starting quarterback and everything else was making country music records and shooting movies with Burt Reynolds and Mel Tillis and making Cannonball Run. Settle down, everybody. It's not the end of the world. There, there, there are actual problems yeah. in this world. I refuse to believe. I, and, I, and I know that in the postgame, they'll ask players, the Cleveland Browns after the wild card game, the Browns don't play a playoff game for 192 years. Then they finally play in a playoff game and they win it. And in the postgame, reporters waste their precious breath, their precious moments on the big blue marble here to ask, did Juju Smith-Schuster dancing fire you guys up for this playoff game? And then, and then these players respond, well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, that, that uh, got us angry. The, the fact that you were playing in January for the first time in your franchises forever, that wasn't enough to motivate you somehow. Juju dancing on a logo got you cross and that made you try. It's the most nonsensical argument in the world. Right, Schwartz? So the way I feel about this um, is, and by the way, I was told by a college coach that I smiled too much in locker room before the game. Like not like just just that's the pure joy that I was that I was gonna play a football game was too much for a coach. Um here's the way I look at it at at this. It's very easy to say that after the fact, right? Like after you win the game, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that got us going. You know, I do think there is a little bit of attention maybe paid toward Juju during the game. You know, guys might try to get an extra hit on him or an extra lick on him or talk some shit to him. Like that, those might happen, but like uh, the Browns are more motivated to beat the Steelers now. No, it's a playoff game. It's a rival. Like, of course, they're motivated to win. But it's easy to say those things. I, I go back to this. I know it's it's an East Coast podcast, but like Oregon State made a run to the Elite Eight. And we, I, I do a packed up radio show, and we talk to the coaching staff. We talk to players and everything. And they're like, you know, we took it personally that the Pac-12 ranked us 12th to start the season. Like, we took it personally. And we, you know, we had – we got blown out in this game during the season and we, we regrouped and we, we focused and it helped us. It's easy to say all this stuff when you play well, like, did that really, did, did that really make a difference? Did they really think of themselves? Well, guys, we're good. They, they, they think we're 12th. We're going to show them. Eh, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so I think after the fact, when you win, it's easy to say that, that that matters. Um, but for the Browns in a playoff game, you're not motivated unless Juju dances on the field before. Like, what, what the heck? Of course not. Listen, if we've learned anything in this savvier 
uh, media age or more immediate uh, media age. It's that players will and teams and the coaches talking to them in the locker rooms will create something to put a collective chip on the shoulder. No one respects us. A random quote from this media member, a player dancing over there, a warm can of soda. That's disrespectful that our facilities people don't care about us more and they don't chill our soda for us. Whatever it is, it's going to major league. The owner doesn't want us to win games. Let's go win games. There will all those there will always be some manufactured reason after the fact to say that we're fired up and no one believed in us in this locker room and juju danced and that hurt our feelings and and ergo we tried to do something. Um and by the way, I I'll go one step further with this. Isn't the whole point of trash talking and doing all this kind of stuff, isn't it intended or whether Juju Smith-Schuster is doing it because he's getting paid by a media, a social media company to do those dances and maybe he makes a little bit of bank off of that. Either way, the trash talking idea, getting under somebody's skin and if that is successful based on what the, the players say, we didn't like him dancing on our logo, isn't that getting in the other team's head? and distracting them from the task at hand if they're worried about taking a lick, an extra lick after the whistle at number 19 rather than getting back into the huddle and making a play for for what's coming on the next down, right? Couldn't I even make a case that yeah. it, it's actually beneficial on some level? I, I don't think – I honestly don't think it – I think it's, it's all dependent on how the game flow goes. Like it can be helpful or hurtful depending on how you play. Do I think it's the reason why someone wins or loses – not really, you know. Like it, it's, just, but like, for example, I, when we played, I remember we played um, a Broncos defensive lineman in 2013. Okay, and the game plan was someone knew him. The game plan was: Am I allowed to use a, a, a word that might not be appropriate on this podcast? We encourage it. Okay, my the, mother does the, not. The but pro- she the, doesn't like it. But you know, she'll power through it. Um the game plan was this guy's a bitch. Let's talk shit to him every single play and it'd be get off his game. And so we did every play. Someone called him a bitch. Every single play. I did it. The other guys did it. Every play. Some one person Politically did incorrect as it may have been. You did. And we did it. And it totally threw him off his game. And we lost the game. So he, I guess, laugh is to him, but like it, so he, it, it, can work. I mean, you can throw guys off their game if you know how to target them. Um, but it, it so like for Juju, if or for the Browns, like if, if you're a player who is guarding Juju and you don't do well if you talk too much during a game and you get into a match with him over the dancing and it throws you off your game, well, that's not good, obviously, right? Or vice versa. If you're a guy who gets fired up by shit talking, um, that maybe Juju dancing and the idea of him dancing and you're talking shit to him about it fires you up. I think it's just individual. I'm not sure it's a game plan thing or entire defense thing or entire offense thing. Like individually, we knew that if we told this guy that he was this, that, the entire game, it put him off his game. And I, it didn't affect me. I was able to play just fine. Like I think that's what it comes down to, right, is is just individuals. I don't think it's a big team thing. Again, the Browns like didn't play any better or worse because Juju like danced on their logo seven games ago. 
Well, I mean, I, I, you're well, not going to well, get well, Did he say he did? Oh, who he did call him out on TikTok or something, right? The nameless Gray Brown that, or something. I get see the the petulant s talking after the game, and the Steelers are out of the mix for Chase Claypool to say, "Well, they're going to lose anyway to the Chiefs next week." The Browns, as though that makes it right. That's that's you need, need to be quiet. You lost. Yes, Just that's, there is a little bit now of like people, a players getting almost too much of a microphone. I kind of wish sometimes they weren't able to do that. Like chase dude, a loss, take your L and get him back next year. Like, uh, yeah. It just, it just feels small and, and um, unnecessary for a team that had higher hopes than, than getting the wild card round and losing to then say, yeah, but you're going to lose anyway. Is that, that to me, but either way, I don't think it means anything. I don't think it impacts the how Chase Claypool plays against the Browns secondary or no. vice versa um, when the, when things kick off in autumn of this year. But all right, let's go back to what I was saying. Here's what I, here's the here's the analogy I'll draw. Penn State goes to they're an independent team under under Joe Pa, um, famously one of the few independents, Notre Dame, the most prominent still. And uh, the well, although they were in the ACC and got hammered by uh, Clemson, I don't want to bring that up, though, because Spaghetti gets gets in his feelings when you mention that Notre Dame got whipped by Clemson and somehow still got to play in the final four. But anyhow, I will give Spaghetti a little bit of a, of a high five here and help him out here. There was no team better. They would whoever played fourth would have been smashed too. It didn't matter, Dave. I know, but we saw in the days just prior to the final four, one team that we knew had no chance, and that was Notre Dame. So why they got a second crack at it, I have no idea. Like it's a you know, it's an inept GM like saying uh, well, he failed in his last two, but he knows he knows the ropes. It's like, no, the one thing we definitely know is that in a world of seven billion people, one person we've identified that we definitely cannot do the job is that guy because he's had a couple cracks and he's blown it. Why would you rehire that guy? It's the same sort of logic there. We just saw Notre Dame get whipped. Why do they get the shot? Anyway, this is the that, argument that will never end. And they actually prove, what you said. They played Alabama the best out of any other opponent. So they actually prove like what, what Jeff just said is right they were the best option to play that team they played them the best they lost because they're a professional team alabama and that's what their whole entire team's in this draft what else do you need what like what else did you want to happen there another team uh, another team to, to, to lose that. by more they, to lose by more you would have been fine I, with I, that i don't i don't know that the other as team long as you admit more. As lo- they would have as long as you admit yeah. that the team would have oh, well, as long more, as we know then, that then i'm fine <laughs> i don't i, I will drop I that i'll move on don't you understand that the beauty of college football is that it is a chapter book that gets updated every week and it's uh, like Hunger Games that once somebody gets killed, you don't they, they don't resurrect in the next chapter. That's, That's the beauty, theoretically, of college football is that you lose. You are dead. You now cannot win the national championship. The Notre Dame loses in a conference title game is like, that's OK. You're just you're, you're you're just grimly wounded. You're not dead, dead. We're not going to give somebody else who's who's nice and fresh and has uh, gone undefeated this season a shot at the. Hey, what, what are we doing here? Now, listen, I want to talk about the matter at hand here. And this weirdo Jeff Schwartz's and Brian Scalabrini's and all these Pac-12 weirdos acting like there's some mid uh, mid major conference. Plucky can do conference. It doesn't get national respect. You're the. You're a power five conference, man. You're on the right side of history. You don't Are you worry. so you're planning to root against Michigan tonight, then? Of course. Michigan has caused me personally some pain. Not that much because 
because of Jim Harbaugh, um, but uh, and, you know, middling results and 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 my Hoosiers beat the Fab Five when they had to beat the Fab Five. So you know, it's 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 the same sort of feeling legitimately, and I'm not just taking a shot at spaghetti. I hate the Islanders and Flyers because those pro two, sports is different. I think, man. No, I'm just you, saying, you but keep I, doing this. No, I know, but I'm saying I hate I hate the Flyers and Islanders because they have caused me real pain in my lifetime. The Rangers, nah, not so much. They're they're, they're kind of a cute uh, throwaway toy to me. Oh. Uh, that, 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 that they don't really. It's the same. That's for Michigan for me. It's like yeah, they've done some bad to me. Who's Indiana's rival? Purdue. Purdue is their oh, is sounds, their natural like in state rival. Amazing. Sounds like an amazing rivalry. Well, don't get me started on the on the uh, old oak and bucket, man. To five I, I and love, five, I, two five and tie, five teams we, hooking up to settle all hash in the state of Indiana. Something who's that, the second best to Notre Dame? Great so, stuff. Something is right up your alley that you should explore in a different during football season. I think is the Big Ten has the most um, uh, the most uh, trophies for any conference for games. Mm-hmm. I think you should rank the 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 trophy. There's a lot in college football, like you know the backyard brawl, right? Dude, does the backyard brawl have a trophy? Pittsburgh, West Virginia. You know, I don't know if it. But has like, you a, should a rank, physical thing. Yeah, you right. Should rank the trophies for all the college football rivalries. I mean, I don't know. You could do much better than uh, than the axe that uh, that Minnesota and Michigan play for. Is that yes. Michigan? Yeah, I'm embarrassed. It's, it's yeah. Minnesota and Wisconsin. Minnesota and Wisconsin. I mean, it's a it's a it's a weapon. It's an axe. Axe. Yeah. You could, if they really wanted to get wild with it, they could behead the quarterback of the losing side. You know, like they could get nuts with it and really add some stakes to that game. And then I imagine the ratings on that. That's what people want is stakes. If the loser got beheaded, uh, well, anyway, that's uh, that that's too dark. Um, that's what, spaghetti, the, the, cut that. My, my favorite, by the way, is when Connecticut and UCF decided to create their own their own rivalry and called the civil conflict. There's just there's just no actual like rivalry there. They just decided to to make one happen, and it lasted four years. They just stopped doing it. Oh, that's great! They should be playing for like Matt Gates's gas mask or something like that. <laughs> um, the um, so Penn State. Here's here's what I think. I would never, you know, bask in the reflected glory of a rival. And Pitt and Penn State in in the Keystone State was the beast of the East. And you guys are too young to remember this, but legitimately Pitt was one of the banner programs in America in the late 70s, early 80s. They were, you know, these are the Dan Marino days, Tony Dorsett, Hugh Green, Bill Fralick, just a, it was a, a pro football factory. Um, all the guys that they sent to the NFL. Matter of fact, 21st century, they continue to accept that the college program struggles to go 500 every year. That's basically the difference there. Anyhow, Penn State and Pitt had a big rivalry, both independent teams. That was a a thing in the Northeast, you know, Army, Navy, Syracuse. um, These, you know, that was the way there were no conference. There was no um, uh, worthy college football uh, conference. Joe Paterno wanted to forge one. Jackie Sherrill didn't want to join it. The pit coach at the time, Joe didn't like that. He thought he was king of college football or at least Northeastern college football. And how dare Jackie Sherrill turn his nose up at Joe Pa's banner idea. And so ultimately Joe Pa and Penn State joined the Big Ten. They get a little sense of nouveau riche. Now we're running with Ohio State and Michigan and otherwise, and we don't need you any more pit. I think this is what happened for Oregon. 
somewhere around the turn of the century, the millennium, Oregon gets good. They take it to another level. Now you like to condescend. Like you've forgotten where you came from, man. You came from the state of Oregon. You're in there. Like, I don't know whether you like it or not. Corvallis is your rival. And okay, Washington too. But you're feeling it. So you like to look down upon Oregon State, your one-time civil war. Because I know for a fact that the people in Corvallis are quite raw about Oregon people like you saying, oh, that's not our rival. USC and Washington are our rivals. Well, that's condescending. So basically what yeah, you're doing is you're taking a, a shot, a you're point, taking a yes. shot at Oregon State. We are in Same a point where we have passed a point where Oregon State is our immediate rival. Why, by the way, Washington, if you talk to Oregon fans, most of will say Washington has always been our rival because they can, they're able to recruit and spend money at the level that we do forever. It's not just like a new thing. But we Oregon – people forget this. You and, and you mentioned it. Oregon has only been good at football. It's 2021 right now since like 95, barely. We, we, we played in more bowl games the last 20 years than we have the previous hundred years. Like, so the idea that like Oregon is some juggernaut, we have just become good. Um, and yeah, Oregon State is not good. They're, they're, we've passed Oregon State. It's, it's yeah, but it's because Washington. that's, but that's the point. You're turning your so? nose up at them as a, a, right. I'm just saying like, you're who you turn your nose up at the Rangers two seconds ago. I'm trying to think of there. There got to be a million movie references, and I can't think of a, a single one where the guy gets fancy and he forgets where he came from, and then oh, he has oh, his come I, that's, up. That's, 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 that's definitely me. Yeah. Well, yeah. we had it this year when Oregon State beat us in football and basketball. <laughs> I, the the point is that get even it, it, all of that Penn state is doing, it continues to do this thing. Like Pitt's not our rival. We, we we've moved past them and you kind of haven't. And Oregon, at least I'll give you this. You kind of have, I guess, transcended that rivalry, except it remains your regional rival. And if they become the gum on your shoe, much like until January of 2021, when the Browns won a, a meaningful game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, that was it's not a rivalry when one side always wins. If you beat Oregon State consistently for the next decade or 15 years, then it does become something that something other than a rivalry. Then, then it's Florida, Tennessee, that they were calling that even in the days of Peyton Manning, like one of the great SEC rivalries, like great rivalry. Peyton Manning and otherwise always lose to Florida. What are we talking about? Rivalry. Um, it, 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 it all to me, I really do think. I feel like Northeastern people under no circumstance would do this. And it does stand out to me just, as you're weird. Just, you're just bitter. You're just bitter. People on the, on the East Coast are just like, you're just weather hardened, bitter people. You're not rooting for anyone else to succeed in life. So you're really, so you, so you are ascribing then to the idea of like, ah, West Coast, but we, got, also, the, we but, got the Pacific, we'll go wash off uh, all our ill feelings in the sea. You live in Los Angeles. You can't pretend that you're not <laughs> one of these Los Angeles people now. You've been there longer you're than right. you live I've, in the East Coast. You're right. That's why, that's why many years ago I dumped all of my Pittsburgh fan allegiances and, yeah, you should. Uh, and started going. A Dodger fan. Um, big big no, Halos think, guy over here. Big, I just think, big Ducks guy. But but part, but part of it is, is that in the Northeast, more fans than not are professional sports fans over college fans. Would you agree? And so, well, because of exactly what I just said, that when, you know, people my, age, people my age – 
grew up and it was like it, it was it it was just different. You had these independent teams but you also playing don't have as much, around the country. But right? you also don't have as much uh, you know the Big East is good in basketball obviously, but there's not a big tradition outside of Penn State what of Northeast college football being a thing. I just told you about so, about the Pitt Panthers. I just told you they won a national championship in 76, could have had one in 80, could have had one in 81. I mean, listen, they I, were I don't they were really, playing on a big I, stage. That when, was only 40 when, something years when, ago. When I don't, when I when I think college football history, I don't think Pitt Panthers success as well, guess what? That's a mistake but, on your part, friend. But, and by the way, Syracuse produced Jim Brown, who everybody still hails as the greatest football player of all time. So that's enough. I'm just throwing them but, out to you. I'm just letting you know. So the reason why is, in my opinion, is there's more of a fandom of pro sports than college sports in the Northeast. And I, I don't think, think that's, that's true. And in pro sports, I 100% agree. You never root for your division rival because Spaghetti that, way that, in that here, directly though. harms you. Spaghetti, you're half my age. Weigh in. What what sense does this make? Do you do you does this take some um, some of uh, Schwartz's dignity, Brian Scalabrini's dignity, to be saying, yeah? I mean, Schwartz. Before you go, too, by the way, just to put as as uh, fine a point as possible, if it isn't obvious to everybody within the sound of my voice, USC. And Oregon played each other. I love rare is the is the does everything come to a head like this over the weekend. Me and Sal are talking stuff to Schwartz on text message. And then it bleeds onto Twitter a little bit as well about like Schwartz. Like, hey, Pac-12, baby. It's great. It's great for the conference. You know, good for revenue. As though, as though like that. Yeah, these intellectual matters, yes. Matt. Well, I mean, that's, that's it's weird. You're saying, don't worry we, about how much money the conference is making. The and then you go, we, one of the reasons why we suck, I, I, by the way, I work for Pac-12 Radio, so obviously okay. I have... But, but, like, part but of the people the, who agree with you on social media don't work for the Pac-12 network. <laughs> sir, so that's, the reason that, why that's the a weird... 12, the reason why the Pac-12 has fallen behind other conferences is revenue. We don't pay for recruiting like other conferences do. So any money that we get, and we'll have $30 million, at least from this tournament, is helpful, Dave. I mean, uh, you and so, Big Cat, you and Big Cat, so woke about what's good for the conference. I mean, come on, this is, you're you're a fan. You're supposed to, your first order of business is seeing those around you suffer. That's what rivalries are in sports. Washington, yeah. they won they won five basketball games this year. I giggled every time we played them. Okay, that's that's a start at least. But then you <laughs> see, then you see. I mean, then then you. And by the way. Muzzle tough to you. Schwartz has been on an absolute roll primarily because he's been betting on the Pac-12. And, and and by the way, Sal and I went 4-0 on Monday night because of the Pac-12, largely because of the, yeah. the, the Pac-12 results. At some point, you got to start uh, stop beating your head against the wall and and uh, just abide by what's true. It's kind of like uh, saying, like, I don't know, Joe Flacco, it's, it's going to in tw- in January of 2013, like, ah, Flacco can't do it again, can he? At some point, ride the hot hand, everybody, the Pac-12. And by the way, before we say another word, let's do that real quick here. A juicy Rose Bowl awaiting our eyeballs on Tuesday night. Michigan and UCLA, um, the Bruins – Still, after everything we've seen over the last fortnight here, the Bruins still plus eight and a half here and USC similar. I don't want to say it's disrespect, but it's kind of as though the bookmakers aren't paying attention to how well the Pac-12 has done overall here. The Zags, listen, that team is the best team, although awfully impressive stuff the last two rounds out of Baylor too. Hard to, hard to, I mean, listen, uh, by the way, for all my stuff about, 
the March Madness tournament not being the best measure of who's good. If we get Zags and and uh, Baylor in the final, all's forgiven. NCAA, you can roll on with this tournament for another year, per Dave Damashek. But the Zags uh, minus six and a half in that one. Go ahead, Schwartz. You're on the. You got the hot hand. Give us your picks on those two games. Uh, so I like I, what. What number do you have on Michigan? I, I see something much different. I don't want to. Um, I got eight and a half. What do you have here? What do you six, have? It's six and a half on FanDuel right now. Just so oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm reading just, off of what I typed to myself. I'm an. <laughs> well, it was. It might have been that much, but um, I'm going Michigan here minus six and a half. Look. I, UCLA's run has been been pretty amazing. They lost four in a row heading into the tournament. And they lost close games. They should have beat USC. They should have beat Oregon. But I think they're kind of at the end of their run here. Just like you saw with Oregon State last night, you know, th- there's just a limit you can go with. You're just not as talented as everyone else. And I just think I'm it's – sorry for it's, your loss there. I felt – I did feel for you. But my other thing is I, I do want to say sincerely – Oregon and USC, like even before that ball tipped off, the big winner, Jeff Schwartz, because his Pac-12 was uh, was going to emerge victorious. So good for you on that one. Now, I was continue. upset that Oregon lost. Oh, you I were? Wish, I wish it was very Oregon nuanced. Well, well, why would it make a difference? Why would it make a difference to you? I'm an Oregon fan. What are you? What, what well, argument are you making? You said it doesn't matter. You said like it's a the Pac-12 is uh, their success is your success. So what does it matter if Oregon or USC wins the game? What's, uh, who cares, right? That's not the argument I'm making. What are you? Well, just I, being, I don't get. Are I don't being, get. Are you being obtuse? You're, you're, being, you're being obtuse. You're being obtuse. Don't you? Uh, I just uh, watched that movie like two days ago. You're being obtuse. I was going to say, don't you, Andy Dufresne, me, friend. You're being, you're being obtuse. Um. So, uh, okay. So, Gonzaga, and here's a go with. Okay, this I don't, listen, I don't want to be the warden of right and wrong in sports <laughs> fandom, but you've put me into that uncomfortable position. Um. Especially, I, I definitely don't I, want to be that guy. And I'm, I, and I'm gonna, and I'm swimming through 500 yards of shit on this show, and I'm gonna emerge ah. cleaner than I was beforehand. Um, so we're gonna do movie quotes. It's like the one movie that I ever watched that I know. The but you didn't have to. But you didn't have to crawl through that uh, through that river because because uh, the Pac-12 won. You came exactly. out clean was, on the was, other it was, side. It was a Good very clean you. river. Uh, yeah, the Pac-12 by the way, 12 and one, I think, covering games if you exclude the, the USC Oregon game, which obviously they played each other. Um, because Oregon State ended up covering that that three last night. Thank God, mm-hmm. oh, that would have been bad, a bad beat for me. I think Gonzaga beats USC pretty big tonight. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, so I think USC will, will keep it close for a while, but they've had some pretty uh, incredible scoring lately. So if you look at, at what they've done, they shot, I believe, 61% from three against Kansas and 59% against Oregon. That's not what they do, right? They're they're a team that that obviously relies on Evan Mobley, but they've had career nights. They had Isaiah Mobley, his brother, had a career night two games ago against the Ducks. This guy, Isaiah White, he averages seven points a game, averages one three a game, had 22 points and made four threes. Taj Edey scored over 20 points for, I think, the second or third or fourth time this season. Like, they just kind of had these performances – that had been out of this world. And, you know, 72 points is not beating Gonzaga. Like, you, you got to score a lot of points to beat them. And I just think there's just too much for USC. You know, their zone defense really shut down Oregon. Uh, you can run a zone against Gonzaga, but you have to be back to set it up. If they get the rebound and push it, you can't set up a zone. So I just think it's too much for USC. So I think both Pac-12 schools go down kind of hard tonight. And I'll, I'll be sad because no more Pac-12 in the, in the, in the Final Four. I mean, if you if you have jumped on board with the spirit of Jeff Schwartz and uh, Brian Scalabrini and Rob Lowe and his NFL hat, except it's Pac-12, and instead of it being Rob Lowe's face, it's Jeff Schwartz's face. Anyone within the sound of my voice, by the way, I, I would like you to, if you could do this for me, uh, crowdsource here. 
take the Rob Lowe picture of him in the NFL hat, put a Pac-12 logo over the NFL logo, and put a beard on Rob Lowe, and then it'll be Jeff Schwartz. That's a, I think I want to see how that looks. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, in the spirit of what Schwartz has uh, been riding here, I think uh, go a little. Uh, why don't we combine the two LAs? I mean, it, it's loco. I don't. I don't like it personally. I think it's the wrong thing to do um spiritually and philosophically and otherwise but if shorts wants a root for the pac-12 why don't you i just picked you, against both of them i'm just telling you though but it, I, that's a nice <laughs> teaser if you want to go in that direction or go against it either way that's a nice teaser to throw the five points uh, uh and make it uh and make it pretty close to a pick them in both games um and ride with the pac-12 or like i say go against both pac-12 teams quickly sixers Plus five at Denver. Philly is six, two and one against the spread of late. And uh, uh, Denver is nine and 13 at home against the spread. This equals the Sixers being the right pick there. Devils and Bruins combined have gone under um, their goal to the combined goal total. 17 of the last 20 combined. That means go under this one. The Bruins are not scoring goals. The Devils uh, netminders have combined to to uh, um, look pretty good of late and make the Devils semi-relevant there. And then you got the Caps and Rangers for spaghetti. And that brings us to Eddie Spaghetti. Spaghetti, go ahead. Um, say what you want to if you want to give us a pick here on that game or otherwise. But also then weigh in on this on this East versus West thing. Because I do always say. I, you're you're from Staten Island, Correct. diehard New York, all things. Although yes. you went to BU, and so you like some Boston hockey a little bit, but now you're out here. I've always defended LA and said, "Oh, it's a, it's a great sports town. Some of the best venues you'll ever go to in, in in any sport available to you. If you go to a USC football game, I refuse. There's no way you could leave a USC football game and say the people here just don't care about football. People are, you know, they're they're living and dying. It just like uh, is if you're at a um, an Iowa football game." Um, but I do feel like this is a little different. This would never happen. I can't imagine. I mean, I was a, I was alive when three teams went to the Final Four in the from the Big East in college basketball. I don't remember anyone in my house saying, "Hey, good for the Big East. This is cool, right?" It was like, "Yeah, gross." Three teams reached, and none of them were us. That stinks. How say you? Well, like you know, you mentioned like Boston. If I if BC is playing for a national championship, I'm not rooting for Boston College because they're at Boston University's rival. Now, if the University of Vermont or um, you know UMass or someone like that's in it, I'm not going to care as much if they win. I'm not going to be actively rooting against them. I like, or if you want to bring it to professional sports, if you know the Red Sox in a World Series, hate that. But if the Rays, Blue Jays, Orioles make it, I'm not as crazy about it because I may not want the NL team to beat them if i for some reason don't like the nl team or players on it so it's not to me it's like i hate the my team's rivals first and foremost and then beyond that it's really just like a case-by-case basis so i don't think jeff is entirely in the wrong for rooting for someone within his conference i just i i get the distinction between pro and college obviously but the th- what college conferences what's so great about them is the regional aspect and the rarity more when I was growing up than it, there is now. But st- to, to this day, you know, I guess the Big 12 has kind of thrown things out of whack with West Virginia, you know, an hour, uh, two hours away from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, playing Baylor on a regular basis. That's not a regional rival. And USC, Notre Dame is a great, uh, you know, multi-time zone rivalry. But for the most part, that you know, it's 
the ones in your neighborhood, the bullies that you want to see taken down. That's my logic. If, if you've caused me pain, uh, if if you're Penn State and you beat Indiana, my alma mater, I don't want Penn State to then turn around. I get the logic of the like the pride in your neighborhood, but that's Trump by the visceral beating that that bully gave you. Now I want to see him suffer too I, at the hands of anybody. I don't want to see him go and beat somebody else up. I get the logic of like, he beat me up. And if he can beat up other tough guys, then it's not as embarrassing for me to get beaten up by, by that strong man. But still as a maybe petulant guy, if you make me bleed, I want you to bleed too, whether I'm the one who makes you bleed or not. You, you follow that, right? I mean, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Schwartz? I follow that, but again, like Oregon State hasn't made me bleed, so I don't. It's like that. Okay, like, I, I, like, I, like I get that's what my point about USC. Like I understand USC has made us bleed. We lose in recruiting to them, so you root against them. I just we're going in circles now, but I'm glad Brian okay, Scalabrini. Well, well, let's move on. Here's the next. I'm glad yeah, Brian Scalabrini agreed with me. He's another like weirdo. I'm I like him text. very much too, but he's a weirdo. Um, like just like you. Great one though with. Uh, with uh, Sal and me on extra points. He's one of the great characters in, in sports media um, track down that extra points episode, but let's talk about his neck of the woods there, uh, Boston specifically and um, the Patriots and, you know, the athletic has is now that we're at the height of mock draft season here, hinting at something that we've talked about. I think Belichick is fixing. He always trades down, gather picks, gather picks. I think he's. it's all been mounting to this moment. I think he is going to try and trade up and get somebody, as the Niners just did. I don't think it's about Jimmy G. It sounds like the Patriots don't fancy Jimmy G. They have Cam. Of course, I like Cam um, quite a bit in 2021 to, to bounce back here. Um, but I, I, I buy that Belichick is going to trade up. Do you agree with that? And do you think at this point, for who the odds are the Patriots, the, the Patriots, the as we Patriots speak, are, but who are they trading up for? Well, Trey Lance, it's that would where, make sense. Where, in like, huh? To what, what spot? In the so draft? With the, with the, I'm sorry, with the Falcons. That's where the, I'm sorry. That's what the athletic mock draft has, has them trading up to four. It makes a, it makes a good deal of sense. Assuming that, that the Niners have traded three first round draft picks for Mac Jones. That's the assumption we're making. Wow. I mean, yeah. So you think it's Trey Lance, is what I think. It's, is, well, is I think it's probably Justin Fields. So I think it's Justin Fields, which means it's Trey Lance. So which they means trade up, so they trade up the day of the draft, like the, for Trey Lance. Um, well, let's just say this. Let's put it in these in these terms. Right now, FanDuel, you can go there and get the Patriots at plus three fifty to win the AFC East. I contend they're still more likely to finish last than they are first. How say you on that? They're, 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 you think it's you think it's easier they finish last than first, the Patriots? Yes, because I feel uh, – and, yeah, and the, the yeah, logic is I mean, that the that's, Jets, the I mean, Jets are a QB away. If they get a halfway decent QB – Yeah, but their the roster draft. is still – and this is why training for Deshaun Watson with the Jets, what I thought closer about, never made sense to me because they're, they're pretty far away as a roster, and to lose all those first-round draft picks would not, wouldn't be great. Um, obviously, you can't trade for Deshaun Watson now, um, but – uh, yeah, I mean, the, I think the Patriots have gone too much grief for what they did in free agency. It's not as bad as I think people think. It's basically two years of guaranteed money. Like They didn't pay these guys for five seasons. Now, you could definitely make the argument that they did this because they failed at drafting, which is 100% true. I mean, Belichick, the general manager, is ruining the legacy of Belichick, the coach, by yeah. far. Um, and so I, I – 
it's so unlike them to trade up though and get a quarterback. But if he loves, I agree. If he loves Trey Lance or he loves, I mean, look, him and Saban are boys. Maybe Mac Jones is his guy. I mean, I believe Mac Jones is more of a Belichick guy than a Shanahan guy. So you don't believe Daniel Jeremiah's uh, report? That I, I don't really he's hearing that it's all about Mac I, Jones. I don't. Okay, so here's what I don't get about this discussion. Well. Okay, people have said, well, he's the most pro-ready. Well, what does that even mean? He's played one season. Like, what does pro-ready mean? Um, we've seen quarterbacks struggle in the NFL that come from programs where you're never touched. His offensive line was the best in the country. He had Heisman winning receivers. Devontae Smith won the Heisman not in because there were throws that Mac Jones was not accurate on, that he made great catches. Like, typically the quarterback wins because the quarterback has these great throws the wide receiver just runs under, right? There were a lot of times Devontae Smith was making some incredible catches, not not on the best throws. Um, and out of all the five quarterbacks at the top, I think we agree that Mac Jones is the least mobile. Again, it's not about running straight line speed, mobility, right? Sure. And so in 2021, Kyle Shanahan's trading up and losing multiple first-round bra- to draft the least mobile of the five quarterbacks available – and, you know, this argument that, oh, he, he did with Matt Ryan. He didn't draft Matt Ryan. Like, what do you mean? A, he would choose Matt Ryan if he had a choice. Oh, his dad drafted Cousins in the fourth round, not third overall. You know, I saw someone say to me, well, Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub? What are we talking about? So, to me, I don't understand why they would take what everyone agrees with is probably the the, the lowest ceiling of any of the, of the top guys is Matt well, Jones. I agree with that. And I, uh, to me, the only way there's any logic in Mac Jones is that if you can get Jimmy G off the books, but 2021 is his last year on the books for the Niners, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that. So, so, so that it's a reboot in that sense. If you like what you have going on and there's plenty of reason to like it, if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to say, the, the the way we're approaching things is a is a winning approach and what we need to do is get that uh get that heavy a cap hit from jimmy g because mac jones kind of cuts that figure you know he's he's kind of the people keep saying that but it's I, I think it's you know in the ballpark of true that mac jones at his best is kind of like jimmy g at his best right like you know, there, there's some limitation there in terms yes. of mobility and otherwise i can see that that maybe for the long term that if you get jimmy g off the books and you reboot with a rookie deal for your starting quarterback that that allows you to replenish the rest of the roster but it does feel awfully uninspired by the way if the Niners are doing that and all this talk about what's happening in your neighborhood and keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, uh, this conference and the success of one team in the college conference equals success for all, I think you do have to, on some level, keep up with your own division before you start looking beyond and considering yeah. if you're a if you're an AFC East team, I don't think that it you're, it benefits you to be thinking like, but how are we going to get past the Chiefs in the title game? I think you better figure out how to win your division first and get into the mix and 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 hopefully get uh, a bye or a home game in January. I, I to me, what they need to do is the the they being the Seattle Seahawks, they should go and uh, they should trade Russell Wilson again. Uh, as far as the reboot goes and getting a guy on a rookie deal, I keep saying it. It's an eternity in pro football that super oh, how long ago Super Bowl 49 was. But the 49, I mean, but but the Seahawks 
and the Malcolm Butler play and everything else, the Patriots are trying to completely overhaul and reboot. We'll see if Belichick trades up or not. But, you know, this this is a pretty big sea change for the way we've known Belichick to look. That was just seven years ago. And now we have the new look Sandy at the end of Greece, Bill Belichick um, wearing satin pants and smoking a cigarette to attract uh, hot new free agents to Foxborough. I think that it's not a coincidence that as good as Russell Wilson's been individually, that that team hasn't come very close to getting to a Super Bowl since Super Bowl 49. It's it, it. I think they need a reboot. And the only thing in their way of trading Russell Wilson to the New York Jets for the second overall is because at this point, I think Joe Douglas would say no, not the other way around. I, I, I think it's flipped to the degree now that a year ago, they Joe Douglas would have said, Russell Wilson, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make that deal with you. I think now Joe Douglas, to your point, is like, Oh, we got a lot of we got a lot of draft picks now. And we're building something here that all gets corrupted if we trade yeah. for Russell Wilson. But I think they sh- I think I think the Seahawks should do it to try and keep well, up yeah. with the Niners so, who are about to get a QB and the, the Rams are going to be good yeah. with Stafford and Kyler Murray in Arizona. I think the team that's going to get left behind there and maybe finish fourth in that division is the Seahawks. They should trade Wilson to the Jets. Well, here's why the here's why the Jets shouldn't do it. And it's why I commend what the Dolphins are trying to do right now is that we're seeing obviously that either you have Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl or, or a quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins, why I like what they did. Now, there's argument that moving from 12 back up to six is not worth it. I, I don't, whatever. Um, is that they're building around Tua. They know that they have to win in this kind of three year window and they're going for it, right? They're going to, they're going to draft at six. Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, or Kyle Pitts, most likely. They're going to help their offense, help help Tua, and win with the rookie quarterback. And if you trade for Russell Wilson, if you're the Jets, again, you don't have enough pieces around him to win a Super Bowl. You, you just don't. And if you give up multiple first-round draft picks, the Niners just traded, right, the uh, two, basically, two future first-round draft picks and a third-round pick for the chance to draft third overall. What would Russell Wilson take from the Jets? Four first-round draft picks? Your Basically, not, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of it I mean, would be your team's not good enough to give up four four draft picks. I agree. Well, a lot of it has to do with the Jamal Adams trade from a year ago. You'd be throwing the back the same logic as as people have applied like Tua, send him to Houston for Deshaun Watson and picks. It's it's that sort of well, the ironic are, the deal. They are could clo- they're are closer, though. Yes, I uh, yeah, I, I got you. I, I, I'm with you. But but I, I think that's a funny pivot that suddenly the Jets I, I think I'm I'm speculating, obviously, but I feel like the Jets would be more likely to say no to that trade at this point than than the Seahawks would. And, and as a side note, it seems like things are a mess there. This is the second time in three years that Russell Wilson's been making noise and so on. And it's not as though they completely that that the front office of Seattle responded to Russell Wilson's complaints by going out there and buying up some O line to help him out. Um, yeah, but they, they just got one guy really. I'm saying they didn't try to help maybe the, oh, the, yeah, well, they did. Yeah. in the draft. And speaking of the draft, um, you mentioned Kyle Pitts. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not, you know, I, I've said it a million times, you know, I don't assess offensive linemen. I let you do that. But you assure me, you and Ross Tucker and everybody else say, oh, no, Panay Sewell's for real. He yes. better be a Hall of Fame. Though. He better get a gold jacket if you take him, if you're Cincinnati at, at five, 
you better he better wind up wearing a gold jacket in 15 or 20 years if you're going to pass on Kyle Pitts. If you drafted Joe Burrow in the QB league, and and as much as I will say a high-end pass catcher doesn't win you a Super Bowl, if you're trying to develop a Joe, uh, a Joe Burrow there at five or uh, Tua at six, you better take Kyle Pitts if he's there. How say you? Or well, so here's so here's the question. I get it, but, but by the way, the Bengals did they did do some stuff in in free agency yeah, to Riley help Reed. the offensive line yeah. in their it's you know, a one year deal. So here's a question. I know. So if you are the Bengals, you need two things in the first two rounds: offensive line and a receiving option for for Burrow. Whether that's Pitts or Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell or a second round offensive lineman or second. So so here's your question. And we, this is hard to evaluate in the, in the moment, but this is what you have to ask yourself. Is Kyle Pitts plus second round offensive tackle as good as Panay Sewell plus second round wide, wide, wide receiver? And history would tell you that the offensive tackle plus second round wide receiver is probably the way to go. You get an extra year, obviously, on the contract for, for the first round tackle. But, you know, we're not seeing a lot of the wide receivers drafted first in the draft for whatever reason, just don't end up being the best in the draft class. You know, J- Justin Jefferson was, wasn't was drafted first. That was rugs, right, for the Raiders last year? Yeah. Um, this, all through the, the history, I mean, your Steelers draft a wide receiver in the second round every year that ends up being the better one of all the class a lot of times. Oh, like, usually even third or fourth. They usually so, wait yeah, so, even even deeper so, on that. So that's why I, I hear I you. Like, this is fascinating, and, but and the Kyle only question – Kyle Pitts is a, match, is a matchup nightmare, but Joe Burrow still gets – bent over backwards if a D lineman hits him. He can't get the ball to Kyle Pitts unless he's protected. I know, but they, but uh, it's not as though they haven't done anything to, to fix up a little bit that offensive line one and two, I, I I'm completely, and I'm going against what I always say in the vacuum, which is the thing that you see with the teams that are getting to the Super Bowl or vying for the Super Bowl perennially are the teams that dominate the line of scrimmage more than who the receivers are or otherwise who your quarterback is and, and, and uh, how your ability to dominate the line of scrimmage. These are the, the two key factors of who is perennially in contention for the Super Bowl. I hear all that. I don't know though. Cause all we, the, all that's mythologized, we swoon week in and week out. Oh, he's a matchup nightmare. That guy, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do with him. And you about Travis Kelsey with the chiefs. That's it's not Tyree kill says Jeff Schwartz. It's Travis Kelsey. Kyle Pitts doesn't cut the same physical figure, but isn't he the matchup nightmare that you swoon over and that would make yeah, but, but the, the Bengals Chiefs also? A, yeah, but we saw last year that it didn't matter that the Chiefs had Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl if you can't protect Pat Mahomes. Touche. Well, well done, Jeff Schwartz. Look at you applying recent information there. That was uh, that was excellent. Um, yeah, I I don't know though, man. I I. Um, I'm swooning I, maybe from a fantasy kind of mindset, like Pitts with Burrow and, 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 uh, you know, Tyler Boyd's a nice pass catcher and, and, and year two for Jefferson and, uh, and Mixon. And so I, I feel like, Ooh, now I'm starting to get a little scared as a Steelers fan. Um, and I think the Browns now stand as the class of the division and it's because Ooh. of that offensive line. Well, I mean, they, they've loaded up on that defense. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I I feel like that's the same thing, the same logic that we had Mike Tannenbaum on a week ago. And he was great on on, uh, a variety of matters. He's very down on the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger and that they're going to regret having brought it back. It's just tough to understand. It's just tough to understand, um, you know, why. um, Like, 
there's really no history of like a quarterback like Ben just becoming great again good good enough i mean i guess peyton manning maybe great again no I mean, that's I mean, not the that's not the formula i mean i, I, mean, I guess point. i guess manning with the broncos is the best right. example yes that's a that's the example <sighs> yeah. that's correct also here's another example for you that people will uh surely get cross with me about on social media but um did you see the drunk guy staggering off the boat a few weeks back he won the super bowl he's 43 was he that was he the key figure in that happening in the locker room perhaps but not in Brady is the is never the example for anything in the nfl i know that's the the mistake you make right that's that you're you're absolutely right about that and by the way john elway at the tail end of the 20th century too if you get a running game and you play defense you have a chance of winning things my point i'm not going to do it again but uh, just just, bottom line and you're going to have to cliff's notes believe me on this one there is no better path to a quarterback in 2021 for the steelers they're riding with they're going to be looking for a quarterback uh at this time next year unless they flip a third for sam darnold i support that despite the cap hit that it would create for the steelers i think you roll the dice there and have someone kind of waiting in the wings i don't think sam darnold equals dwayne haskins dwayne haskins is uh you know is uh a, a shot into the dark. Sam Darnold is still the third overall pick despite his struggles. Gase factor. That's what 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 I write that one off to. Um, I, I would like to see Darnold away from Gase. Um, yes, that's exactly right. But again, that's- like the, the history of the NFL would tell you that that's very unlikely Darnold becomes good again um, or good at all. I mean, Josh Allen is the outlier so far in the last – you know, uh, no, that's not true. That's that's a crazy. That's you're just throwing no, something into the no, wind, no, and because no, you say it no, into a microphone, you expect no, it to turn true. No. That's not true. If you look at if you look at replacement value for quarterbacks, look at Alex Smith. Was it Alex Smith listen, good after I'm, five I'm years there. of being bad? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Right. Give me a second. In the last like thirty years, it's Alex Smith and Josh Allen. That's it, and maybe Troy Aikman from year one, and that, that's obviously a long time ago. It's a different NFL. But it's Alex Smith and Josh Allen are the only two examples of quarterbacks that were below average for the first couple of years as starters becoming anything good in the NFL. And so there's no other example, Dave. You can, you can, is that train, true? You can, yes. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll give you one from I'm just going back. based off, of, I'm going based off of football outside. Okay. Here's, like give you okay like, Jim Plunkett. I, I, I know it's not relevant in 2021 what Jim Plunkett did in, in 1980, but I'm telling you that he every did. Every time that, now was, that we talk about offensive linemen, I'm just going to bring up like some obscure. Oh, I'll do, I'll do Mel yeah, Hine from the Giants. You're right. You're right. Like, the, well, Mel Hine. Mel Hine. The Heisman yeah. Award winner from your beloved uh, Pac. Uh, tw- was I guess it was Pac eight when Jim Plunkett was there for Stanford, but he I'm sure he tangled with your Ducks. Yeah. Wait, were the Ducks in? I anyway. No, yeah, the Ducks were in there, and they would have played Jim Plunkett. He was the first overall pick, which would have filled your heart with song because you would have been so proud that a Pac-8 guy got the Heisman Trophy and was the first overall pick. And then he scuffled along with the Patriots and Niners, and then he went on to the Raiders' last stop in pro football, and he he came out clean on the other side with a couple of Lombardis in tow. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. I'm looking up to see if I can find And Ryan Tannehill is the best example for what you're looking for. Yeah, but Ryan Tannehill wasn't half bad in Miami, though. So like, it's actually it, it, that's that's part of what we don't. And that was actually with Adam Gase, by the way. Spaghetti um, off the top yeah. of your head, is he wrong about any of this? I'm trying to think of a guy who wasn't good, and then I, is there is there somebody I, uh, that we're forgetting here in this conversation? I'll take Schwartz's word for it here. 
Well, the other issue quickly is like the social media world, you could people say every quarterback almost is bad. So you have like in your brain, like a lot of people think, you know, uh, Derek Carr is a good example of people. They're kind of iffy on Derek Carr, but all this considered Derek Carr is like a fine quarterback. Well, his was his is more roller coaster. Boy, they they struck gold in the, early in the second round with Derek Carr. Everybody slept on him. He could have been the MVP. Boy, Derek Carr stinks, and now it feels like it's uh, swinging back up. Although I don't know about that Raiders team overall, what uh, what that's going to look like uh, this season. Um, anyhow, continue with your point, Schwartz. Um, I'm just looking at quarterbacks don't turn good. Jim Jim Plunkett is three and zero against Oregon. <laughs> oh. He won, By the he won, way, he won 28 t- 12, 28 nothing, and 33 10, I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep uh looking for Pac 10 legends until until one agrees with me about this. I'm taking this matter to Dan Fouts. I'm gonna I'm hitting Dan Fouts up, uh, Oregon Ducks QB legend, and I'm gonna see how he feels about you rooting for USC to win games and UCLA to not, win in, games. In different sports. Not, I do not root for UCLA. UCLA, my parents went to UCLA. That's a little, I get a little bit of a break there. Um, but um, Boy, you uh, got a lot of you got a lot of provisos on, on who you're allowed to root for because the, who you work for, whose blood you share. Sorry, sorry, sorry that my that my actual job is covering the conference, the Pacto conference. I'm not sure anyone. I mean, this has been like our three best shows of ever. People are actually listening because we're good at uh, – we're good at basketball again. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I thought there was something coming here. I thought no, there was nothing. Yeah. A, a fresh new point there. Um, all right. Spaghetti. What do you want us to hit here? Because, uh, you know, Schwartz is on vacation, by the way, everybody, you can't see him. Uh, we can, he's off in his, uh, vacation home, his beach home. Where are you in the Carolina somewhere? Yeah, Hilton head. Yeah. Ooh, we used to go there all the time. Spaghetti couldn't make it. Um, a couple weeks ago, Jeff Schwartz was out here working on something really exciting, and I don't want to say too much, but it's oh, I mean, it. no, it's it's a, a like a Gruden's quarterback camp, but for offensive linemen. Okay, you were being dodgy about it. It seemed. Yeah, I love this idea. I think it's going to be gangbusters. You're a great choice to do it to bring the personalities out in these guys and have some laughs with them. The thing that I don't care for is uh, I met we met in an undisclosed location, safely distanced and. Uh, the mask and all that kind of stuff to play it nice and safe. But of course, Schwartz was in LA. We had to catch up and uh, it was, you know, under the cloak of night, um, you know, as men do. And he comes walking into, to the restaurant spaghetti. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not noon, you know, we're not meeting at the beach. We're meeting at a restaurant at, a rest- at, at the mall, by the way. At a re- it was a nice place. It was a nice place. It was at the Schwartz mall nonetheless. I think I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, he walked in and he walked in in his flip flops, spaghetti. How say you? I mean, I'm, as a man who owns a pair of reef flip flops with bottle openers on each one, I uh, I would side with Jeff if it was a, a warm bottle, day. Well, a never, bottle never, opener. Yeah, you never know. You never know when you need to crack a these bottle. Are, by the way, these are Olakais. They're they're a little fancier than normal flip flop, Dave. I I mean, you bragging about uh, having luxurious flip flops doesn't change the fact that they're still flip-flops you're wearing your slippers out in public. i did i, wore, I was wearing man. i was wearing a a collared shirt as well i was wearing a polo uh, some golf some golf uh pants and uh i didn't realize that i was meeting with the fashionista of los angeles of west la you know what else happened there spaghetti another big upset uh was uh damashek out eight jeff schwartz at this oh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm i don't, think, I don't think i don't think you did in the end i you did you I, you no, you. I had more pizza than you I had more pasta. You, you, I more than you. I promise. 
It was a wonderful date, but it would have been even good. grander had we made three with spaghetti. I was hoping that he would make it. I, I, I wish I, I could want, get I even there. I wore my Daniel Jones jersey. I know. I wish I could get there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a busy man here uh, with the Extra Points Network. I, I, next time I will come. I can't, believe Sal, I can't believe Sal held you. To do the hell, do you? I can't believe spaghetti. That is that. I, I mean, I really am. I've got a hint of nausea. Um, from you have spaghetti, you have flip flops that have a bottle opener on them. Yeah. I don't on want each a, foot. I don't, I don't want a beer open by your foot. I mean, it's there. I love the flip flops, and the having that is a great, like, you know, if you, most people have them on their keys, you can get you know, use your keys to open up a, a yes. bottle. But, but, yes. uh, if you, if you don't have that, I've been in situations where I haven't had my keys or ever, like, oh, well, I'll bottom my shoe and just a quick, you know, pop it off, get the top off of the bottle, put, slip the uh, flip flop back on, and you're good to go. It's fine. Yeah. Big toe. Here's your beer open with my big toe. I'm a clean just person. I, don't, I have no interest in that. Please never clean. going forward. If you ever offer me a beer, never open it with uh, with your feet. You better buy twist then. Well, I, you know I can. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clever. I know how to do that bottle trick. I, I can. Uh, I've seen people do it with their eye with their eye oh. socket though. You ever see anybody do their open a beer with their eye socket? Yeah. I can do the one where you pound it on the edge of the table and flip it. I'm, off. I'm out of shape for these hour and a half podcasts. All right, we'll go. Fine, that's fine. Go go frolic <laughs> in the sea. You're gonna jump in the Atlantic. Um, we'll uh, we're I, actually you know what when we finish up uh, when we wrap it up here. Guess what I'm doing? I'm gonna go take my bath in the Pacific Ocean. I'm gonna think of Jeff Schwartz because that uh, just, just don't wear football to the ocean. Well, I won't, but I, I never would. Um, and in fact, my wife hates the fact that she's like you even wear. I I have I forget what they're called, but they're like the surfer shoes. Is what they're called. Time out. I, you wear surfer shoes. You're giving me and Jeff Kraft wearing flip flops. Oh my god! What, what a are they? Nerd. I'm not talking about those water shoes that have the individual toeies in them. Like those things make me sick. We were like, too. you were like, what are, what are surfer shoes? They're like that canvasy material. You were like Sanooks? Yes, that's what the, that's exactly what I wear. That's right. And she's like, you that's not mock me for wearing the old yeah. Kai's. Yeah, you, you came up with old, old guys and you wear Sanooks. That's right. That's why I, 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 I you can't think mock me for wearing old guys when you wear Sanooks. Plain and simple. That, that's what well, either way. Jeff Schwartz is the big winner here because I'm going to go in the Pacific, and I assume you lay claim to that too—that you take pride in the Pacific. Everything—it's very, like it's it, very cold. You root for everything now, like it's apparently very, it's very cold. As long as it's not the Washington Huskies, everything is good in Jeff Schwartz's world. He's he he wins no matter what happens in in the world, right? Yeah, I mean, as long as the Dodgers don't win the, the World Series, everything's good. Oh, I got bad news for you, short. <laughs> I did. It's only, it was only it only counts as a third of a trophy because they only put a third of a season. So. Um. All right. Well, listen. Enjoy all the games. And by the way, spaghetti. Good luck to your blue shirts. They better not lose tonight. But I'll tell you this much: what the Pittsburgh Penguins are doing is remarkable stuff. Down six four. You only dress eighteen skaters, and they've been winning hockey games against good NHL teams with one third of their roster down. And now. Tristan Jari, their uh, their star netminder, is banged up a little bit too. No matter, apparently, because they're uh, they're now even up in second place with those Islanders. Uh, the NHL season now that's something for you to get tuned into, Schwartz. You should be watching Northeast hockey, and if you're not, at least watch your Canes because they might win the Stanley Cup as well. Um, final thoughts from you, Jeff Schwartz. It's good to see Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you back 
in the mix. You're producing great stuff there. Track that one down wherever you find your favorite podcasts and Fox Sports doing gangbusters work. Um, anything else? Pac-12 Network, as you mentioned. Pac-12 today. Um, no, just, uh, you know, I have a, I have a, um, I have a, a food show concept that's uh, flown around. So I'll, when I when I have news about that, I'll give you guys. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I'll be eating Excellent. a lot of food on with my beautiful face on camera, which may or not be great for everyone else to see, no, but it'll be no. fun to shoot. Well, that's very good. Um, all right. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Have a good time at the beach there, Schwartz. Good catching up with you, Pally. Yes. You know what? Maybe we'll get you because I love doing – you know, all manner of draft related stuff. We're still, we still got a little bit of time to jump in on the draft, but we've held you too long here. I know you're probably feeling hungry. It's been at least 37 minutes since you've eaten something. So we'll, uh, so we'll stop here and uh, remind you that we've got uh, Kevin Hench and Eddie Spaghetti and myself coming at you in a couple of days from now to get you all right mentally, spiritually, and otherwise for the last few college basketball games, NBA, NHL, and uh, like we say, the NFL draft is right around the corner. So for Jeff Schwartz and Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>